Hello, everybody. This is S. Anthony Thomas. This is the S. Anthony Thomas Show. And uh, thank you for coming back. I really appreciate all the love you've been showing me. And one of the one of the popular episodes I had on this particular podcast was a best of from the other podcast. And people asked me if I had any more. And I only had one more piece left. It's called Outtakes and Extras. And what it what it is, is, you know, Outtakes and Extras. <laughs> Segments that were good enough to be in the show, but I took them out for time purposes. And uh, you asked for them. And I am going to put them in this episode right now. So this is from my other podcast called the S. Anthony says podcast and uh these are the outtakes and extras from that show i think you'll love them so here they are and thanks for asking well hello hello how you doing how you doing this is the s anthony says podcast this is the s anthony thomas and this is episode number three zero seven but this episode is going to be a little bit different. This isn't a, a new episode. Well, it's new to you. Um, a lot of times people have written to me and asked me, what did I do with the stuff that I cut out of the show that was good enough to be in the show, but just got chopped out for for time constraints and things of that nature? Well, my friends, it doesn't happen to me much because usually if I have to cut something out of the show, I usually do it even before I get into the recording process. And then if it's an idea that I think's good, I'll, I'll use it later on if it's applicable. But in this particular case, what I did do was I found some segments that I had recorded, but I had to take out that I thought were good enough to be in the show. But for whatever reason, because of time, I had to chop them out. So this is an episode I'm going to call Outtakes and Extras. So it's going to be about two hours or so. I believe you're going to enjoy it, but this is what it is. It's two and a, about two hours of stuff that was good enough to be in the show, but never made it into a show. And now I've taken them all and putting the, put them into one show, <laughs> which is this one. I believe you're going to enjoy it. So here you go. Episode number 307, the outtakes and extra show. Oh, yeah. Have you ever run across a guy or a gal that's a part of your friends that you love to death, but they're just not funny at all? And they try to be funny and they should never in life try to be funny. You know, you love that person, man. And when they're funny, it's usually they're funny by accident. And they know, okay, that was funny by accident. I'm not going to try. It's like somebody that hits a half court shot. You're not going to try to rely on that half court shot on a regular basis. He just threw the ball up and it went through the basket. Yay, you won the game that time. But let's be honest, this guy's there for defense and rebounding. Stop trying to take jump shots. You're not a jump shooter. Well, it's the same thing with the friend that's not funny, but they try to be funny but they should not try to be funny i have a lot of funny friends 75 to 80 percent of my friends are funny when they want to be not just the comics but just in general funny people and that other percentage are people that are funny accidentally and a small percentage maybe one or two percent couldn't be funny if you handed them a louis ck album and you just told them to press play they would somehow mess that up because the, the play would have some funny in it and they're the anti-funny but you still love them they're still great people to hang around they're nice they're pleasant you enjoy their company but they should never try to be funny ever because you're sitting around with a bunch of friends and you're breaking each other's stones. You know, the kind of stuff that you tease your friends about. You know, your friend's wife is always going antiquing and you break his stones. Yeah, I'll bet she's antiquing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my wife goes antiquing too. <laughs> you know, he's not offended by that. You're not really saying anything about his wife. You like his wife. It's more about breaking his stones, you know. And then he talks about your daughter. The only reason your daughter's going to that college far away because she can't take being around your breath that long. <laughs> that kind of soft 
honk joke that you're not really offending anybody. And then there's the unfunny friend who comes in and has to interject some stuff. And you know they're not funny. They're not close to funny. They should never attempt being funny. And they always say something in an attempt to be funny. It takes a joke that should have been playful and it gets real serious. I'm not even going to give you an, an indication of what they are saying. I'm just going to give you an indication of everybody's reaction to their joke. They have to chime in. Yeah. And let me tell you something. And everyone's like, oh, wow, dude, uncalled for. Well, I just meant I know what you meant, but you're not funny. Stop trying to be funny. And then it just brings everybody else down. There's always that one friend who's not funny and he tries to be funny. You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things that people don't understand. If you're not funny, don't try to be funny. I mean, how many other things that, that, that people are good at and you know you're not good at, but you have to go in and try to be good at it in a situation where you should not try to be good at it? If you have a bunch of friends that are great bowlers and they're starting a bowling team and they're trying to win a trophy, you know what you should do? Get a shirt just like theirs, but not actually bowl. Just hang out with them and root them on. Don't pick up a ball because you and I both know every time you pick up the ball, it's going to go in the gutter. And you're such a bad bowler that even if you aim for the gutter, it would hit the gutter, jump up out of the gutter and crack someone across the forehead because you suck. Yeah, I said it. You know, don't even try, you know. If you know you suck at, at at baseball and your friends are great at baseball, you don't want to be on a team. Be the umpire. Be in the stands. Put the bat down, punk, because you and I both know you're punk ass. You're not going to be able to hold on to the bat. It's going to slip out of your hands and you're going to crack someone across the forehead because you suck. You've seen that before. You see a band that's awesome and everybody's great. They're all great songwriters. They're all great musicians. There's four people in the band. Two can sing and the other two can't sing. And they know they can't sing. And they stay out of the way of the people that can sing. They do what they do. They do their drum solo and their keyboard solo. And they sit in the back during the songs and go, but they don't actually come out with any singing. Why? Because they suck at singing. They're the difference between getting four and a half stars in Rolling Stone and two and a half stars in Rolling Stone. They'd get four and a half stars in Rolling Stone if they shut the hell up and let the two dudes that can actually sing sing and a you it's a fantastic album incredible voices and those two guys in the back who can't sing no better than to start singing because we take two stars away from these bastards if they open their mouths and said anything other than because <laughs> their punk asses can't sing but they can write some great songs and they can play an instrument because those bastards really know how to play some instruments and that's the thing I'm saying, man, if you know you're not good at something, it's okay to not be good at something. You just have to admit that you're not good at something. You don't have to try to act like it. You never see me. I, so I'm telling you, man, when I know that I'm not good at something, I may attempt it just to find out if I'm good at something. But once the confirmation email is returned from the universe, hello, it's Anthony Thomas. We use your beep. You have an email. Well, let me check the email. Says that I'm really, really bad at this and that I should stop. Sign God. Okay, well, I guess I'm not going to do it anymore <laughs> because I'm a sensible person, my friends. But if you know you're bad at something, just put it down. Just stop it. 
If you're a bad person when it comes to judging character, don't set anybody else up on a blind date. Okay, because when you visit them at the hospital after they get the duct tape off of themselves and crawl out of the dungeon and they want to punch you in the face because you're going, how the hell did you set me up with that psychopath? And you're going to say, well, I just really thought he liked duct tape and rope. I didn't know why he had so much duct tape and rope in his in his in his trunk. And I definitely didn't know why he had that big, giant portfolio of pictures of you walking around random streets and a sign that says, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I don't even know why she had that stuff in her car. I didn't know she was crazy, and that's why she got you, buddy. <laughs> why are you swinging that? Why are you why why would why are you swinging a bedpan at me? <laughs> it's okay to admit you're not good at something. You don't have to lie and act like you're good at stuff. You don't have to do it. I don't do it. You shouldn't do it. Don't do it. Same over. You know what? I think there's something. Uh, I think my uh, dentist is uh, is jealous of uh, of the white strips that I use sometimes. You know what I mean? Because the funny thing about it is when you go to the dentist, I feel really guilty sometimes when between dental appointments I use white strips for my teeth. It's almost like I feel like I'm kind of cheating on the dentist. You know what I mean? Because that's supposed to be the dentist's job. You know what I mean? Because if you go to the dentist and he he's a dentist, especially if you go been going to the dentist for a long period of time, they look at your teeth and they know how white your teeth normally are. But if you come back, you know, four, five, six months later and your teeth are whiter than when you left, they know something's going on. You can see that look in the dentist's face like, you dirty bastard. You dirty teeth whitening bastard. You know, daggone well, that's my job. And you're going to, you're going to, how did you, how did you, how would you do? You really, you must be really brushing your teeth well, buddy. Because your teeth are about two shades whiter than they were when you left, man. How'd that happen? Oh, um, <laughs> um, I was using some uh, double whitening toothpaste. Oh, really? So white, oh, so just some over the counter whitening toothpaste made your teeth that much whiter. Yeah. Right. It's not, oh, it's almost as if, you know, it's not like I'm in the dental profession and that I understand the science behind it. Oh, yeah, sure. I know what percentage peroxide I use as a professional dental professional and how much is actually in those over-the-counter toothpaste. And basically, to get your teeth as white as they are right now, you'd have to brush your teeth for 27 hours straight using 4,000 tubes of toothpaste. Not physically possible. Not possible at all. So you mean to tell me, so you're going to not only, you're going to be seeing some damn white strips behind my back. You're going to lie to my highly educated face. You're going to make me feel like a dumbass. You're going to make, well, let me tell you something, punk. You think I don't know what, what, what really happened? The only way in the world you're going to get your teeth that white without my assistance. And the way you did it was so low behind my back. I've been your dentist all these years and you have the nerve to take money out of my pocket. You know how much I had to pay to go to dental school, punk? Huh? I've been a dentist for 37 years and I've only been out of debt for the last 10 because that's how much I had to pay to go to dental school and I got to pay all this malpractice crap. 
And what do you do? You have the nerve to go get white strips to fix you, to make your teeth whiter like I don't exist. Like you don't have my phone number. Like you don't know what my damn dentist office is. Like you couldn't just come straight to me and talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me about what you need. You couldn't even do that. You make me sick. I can't believe it. Let me ask you a question. Patience. I would call you Miss Anthony, but apparently we're not close enough. We need to even talk about each other like we're on a first name basis, Mr. Thomas. Let me ask you a question, punk. Mr. Joke Teller, Mr. Storyteller on your little stupid podcast. How would you like it if I, if when you came in here one day for your dental appointment and I, you, you sat down in the chair and I decided, you know what? I don't have time to see you today. And then you walked outside and as you were leaving the office, you saw somebody that looked just like you come in here to get the, exactly the same work done that you got done. You'd look at me like, I thought you didn't have time. And then I would look back at you and say, no, I didn't have time. I didn't have time for you, punk. That's right. This guy's coming in here for a cleaning. The same cleaning you almost got. Oh, yeah, I'm a cleaning good. You know that crap I put on the drill, the drill bit when it has a little polishing brush? And it normally it only takes me about 10 minutes to polish your teeth. Well, I'm going to tell you something, sucker. The guy that looks just like you that's coming in here, I'ma polish his teeth for three times long, yeah. And then when he leaves, I'm gonna give him three toothbrushes, three things of that cinnamon crap that I give to you. You can't get the same cinnamon crap from the store cause I'm a professional dentist, professional dentist professional. You make me sick with your little white strips. Let me ask you a question, punk. When you had that abscess in your mouth after you had that accident, you fell and you hit your face. Let me ask you a question. Where were your white strips then, huh? Think your white strips could have stopped that bleeding? How about that time you had your tooth knocked out? You think that the dead, you think the white, you could have put some white strips up in that hole in your face to make you look better? I don't think so, punk. I can't believe you're going to see white strips behind my back. You make me sick. Okay, no dentist would ever say that. <laughs> But I often wondered about that because I remember I did see the dentist before the one that I see now. I asked him about white strips and he was one of those guys. He literally just kept changing the subject every time I bring it, I brought it up. Hey, uh, Dennis, what about the white strips? Uh, white stripes? Never heard of them. No, I, I said uh, uh, white strips. White strips are white strippers? I mean, I really don't think that's an appropriate uh, appropriate uh, conversation for the office. I'm like, no, no, white strips for your teeth. I don't know what you're talking about. Never heard of them. <laughs> I often wondered about that. But I'll be honest with you, man. I, I I don't necessarily feel I have to give the dentist that much loyalty, man. If you really think about it. That's right. The man gave me a lollipop when I walked out of the office. Lollipop. You just cleaned my teeth and polished them. And then you're going to hand me some cavity-making crap. I don't even know what's in that lollipop, you sick bastard. You're probably pissed off, not only because of the white strips that I use, but the fact that I haven't had a cavity in about 15 years. You probably don't like it. You're probably pissed off because I haven't been generating enough money for you with my mouth because I brush my teeth properly and floss properly. You don't like that, do you, Mr. Dentist? Huh. 
I'm probably one of your worst patients because all you got to do is x-ray for the cavities that you know aren't there. Looking for the gum disease that you know's not there. Looking for the teeth damage, tooth damage that you know's not there. That's right. And I have that little gap in between my two front teeth. And I bet you're dying to close it, aren't you? Well, you were going to be the one I chose to close it. But guess what, you bastard? Women like it. Now, I could still get it closed. I could give you a little down payment and make payments for a little while and give that money to you. But I don't like your attitude when it comes to the, to the white strips, brother. Maybe that was a test on my part to see what kind of man you are, punk. You going to go on this long rant trying to tell me how I should run my life and whether or not I should buy white strips for my teeth? Brother, I know you take care of the teeth, but these teeth belong to me, punk. You just work on them. That's right. See, right now, our relationships change. I don't like the way you think or the way you talk, punk. I used to think of you as a respectable dentist, somebody I liked and respected. I used to tell my friends and family about how cool my dentist was. But you know what I'm going to call you now? I'm not even going to call you Dr. Johnson anymore. I'm going to call you Tooth Boy from now on. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to call you Tooth Boy. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to use white strips between my next visit. Yeah, that's right. And I'm going to get some, you know, I was looking on the internet and I saw that these little rubber bands you could put around your teeth to pull your teeth closer to close your tooth gap. I'm not going to use one of those to close it completely. I'm just going to close the gap in my teeth, my two front teeth, just enough to let you know it kind of happened. Enough to make you notice it. And you're going to be sitting there going, you bastard. You spent forty nine ninety nine for some punk ass rubber band to move your teeth together when you could have been giving me that money. And I'm going to look at you and go, not only are my teeth way wider than they were last time, punk, but they're even closer together. What do you think about that, tooth boy? Yeah, that's right. And just to teach you a lesson, every time you have one of your dental assistants come in, I'm going to call her doctor, whatever her name is, right in front of you. Just so you know that I am capable of calling somebody a doctor, but I choose not to call you Dr. Punk. What do you think of that? Yeah, tooth boy. Now I'm going to lay back in this chair and you get to work, punk. And then you lay back in the chair and you remember that this person has sharp objects, drills and drugs and they're over your mouth. And you, of course, realize that you should probably apologize for referring to him as tooth boy, especially since he just told you you don't need your teeth drilled. And he has now begun drilling in your tooth when there was no reason to drill into your tooth. <laughs> and you you, you kind of get the feeling he was not telling you the truth when he said there was no Novocaine left. <laughs> and you're wondering why he's now strapped your arms and legs down in the chair and asking you if you were familiar with the film Marathon Man. And you realize you really done messed up really badly. <laughs> So this is a message to my dentist if somehow he finds the uh, Patreon account and uh, listening to the uh, Patreon supported version of the podcast, which 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 this is. Um, I want to let you know, for the record, I was talking about a dentist that I had for you. Um, you personally are, are, are an incredible dentist and none of this stuff applies to you. <laughs> Segment over. 
Guys, are you like me? Are you glad winter is done, over with, dead, kaput? I didn't like the fact that the last day of winter before spring came out, it decided to snow on the last day. What an asshole you are, person nature. I don't want to say mother nature because I don't want to bring mothers. I don't want to say father nature because no one ever says father nature. I'll just say person nature. I don't like you. But what I do like about the snow... See, here's here's something I want to say. See, to me, when I watch a snow report, especially if it's a surprise, like say for the sake of argument, the weather has been one way or the other for such a long period of time that the weather becomes kind of white noise in the background and you're not really paying attention to it. You don't care what the hell they're talking about. And then all all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get that, there's a blizzard coming. And you're going, well, what? Because you figure somehow in your mind, you figure that everything in life, there's a build up to it. You know, everything else in life, there's a build up to it. When you're when you're gaining weight, oh, I'm gaining a little weight. When you're losing weight, hey, I've lost a little weight. Uh, hey, you're, you, this is happening. That's happening. It's always kind of a step process from one thing to another. But now with the weather, the weather decides one time. You know what? That's snowing the bastards. And bang, here comes a snowstorm out of nowhere. You know, it's like it's like when that person that you don't like that you don't want around that has not been around for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you find out through the grapevine that the bastard's going to come visit you or going to be in the area. And you know, if they're in the area, they're going to come visit you. And you don't want that crap. You know, it's like getting a weather warning. Frank, the assholes coming. Ah, shit. Cause this is the same thing. When you get that report from the, from the person and the meteorologist, when it comes to the blizzard, the blizzard isn't even there yet, and you're already pissed off because you know just the simple fact that they're telling you that the blizzard is coming means you have to do a whole lot of stuff to prepare yourself for when that crap comes, right? When asshole is coming and you know he's coming to ruin your damn life, you're already going, oh, not this guy. I got a dinner party coming, and that's right around when he's arriving in town, and I got some people and some business, and he's going to show up and ask dumb questions and get drunk and be a douche and do that, this, that, 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 and you're already pissed off and your blood pressure's already going up and his punk ass isn't even in the state yet. The same thing when they come on with those blizzard warnings and they're warning you about the blizzard that's coming and you don't want the blizzard to come because you're already contemplating all of the horrible things that are going to start happening in you as a result of the blizzard. You already know you had planned on going shopping anyway, but now you know every loser in the world is going to be in the store buying 10 loaves of bread and 75 jars of freaking jelly. And then they're never going to eat it. And you know, they're never going to eat it. And they're probably never going to even need it, but they're going to take it out and you can't use it. And they're going to take up all the shovels, the shovels that their punk asses are probably not even going to use in the first place. And they're going to be doing all sorts of crap. And then, of course, because they do that crap, you have to buy the crap. Now, you have to buy 27 loaves of bread and 75 cans of spam and 800 gallons of water and all of that stupid crap that you're never actually going to have to use in the first place. The kind of stuff that just sits there until it goes bad. <laughs> just kidding. That stuff can't go bad. You know what I'm talking about. It's the same thing. Just like when, when the weather does a sunny day, the sunny day and everything. Oh, and I know the weather sucked really badly, but it's going to be great. It's going to be 65 degrees and sunny for the next week. You know that week you're going to be on vacation and you decided not to go anywhere. You're just going to stay home in your backyard. Well, that was a good choice, douchebag, because it's going to be 65 and 70 all that week. That's right. 
And that's the greatest. Did you know it's coming? And you're already smiling in contemplation of that week of fantastic weather where you can just sit in your house and the kids still have to go to school so their little punk asses will be out of the house and you can sit back and just enjoy your, your, the deck that you built. That they, Yeah. It's the same thing when someone cool's coming to town, when your old college buddy's coming to town, when your old high school buddy's coming to town, when your brother's coming to visit. Then you're contemplating all the good times and the fun times. It's great. But for me, what I think is hilarious and what I think is one of my favorite things is when if you I, I'm in South Jersey now and that's in Philadelphia, South Jersey. I, I spend a lot of time in that area um, when I'm not doing other stuff until I move back to California eventually. But here's the thing. One of the things I love the most about the East Coast now, even though I'm from here originally, is when it snows and there's a lot of snow, you don't realize how many meteorologists you have on staff at your local television station until there's some snow. Then it's all hands on deck, baby. And from five o'clock in the morning until about 759 at night, all anyone's going to be talking about is the snow. The show you wanted to watch that you've been sitting here waiting to watch will not be coming on this station. I mean, come on. We have been paying these people to be meteorologists and they've just been sitting in the office gathering data and now we need all of their punk asses on the air so their asses are going to be on the air and they're all pretty much going to say the same stuff the only person that's going to say anything different is the chief meteorologist who's the only person who really normally would be on the air and they're only going to be on the air about an hour this time and then they're going to go home and laugh at the people who are really trying to get their jobs when you know for a matter of fact that people are creatures of habit and do not want to see a new meteorologist unless they're a hot babe and that's usually who the meteorologist is in the first place so she or he really has no real law <laughs> and there's really a real chance they're going to lose their job but these other people want to be on the air and this is a top 10 market and quite frankly all they're really doing is auditioning for their next job so here comes the weather team nine people and you only know two of them and here they are talking about the same crap that everyone before them talked about enjoy losers because you have no place to go because your punk asses are snowed into your house and I hope you're enjoying your 17 spam and jelly sandwiches because that was the only thing left on the shelf when you went to the store because you didn't go to the store early enough. And now here's a dude you never heard of, but we have him on staff and he's finally earning his money on air. <laughs> Because I get a kick out of watching the all hands on deck on the weather. That stuff is hilarious to me, man. I'm looking at the guy like, who are you? Look, buddy, this is my shot. Shut up. All right. I already know there's really nothing to talk about. I know that. I'm a highly educated man and I have a degree in this crap. All right. And when I signed up to be in this major market, I thought this was my big shot. This is the fifth largest television market in the country. You can't really anything that's not New York or Los Angeles is basically just a lateral move. Chicago, Houston, it's all the same crap. They're all roughly the same size and have the same impact. They're all just not New York and Los Angeles. But I'm telling you right now, punk, I'm not going back to Florida. Florida's a wonderful place, but I'm getting sick and tired of seeing 80 degrees and sunny and watch out for the alligators and all of that crap. I want to be wet the action is well not 
where the real action is. I don't want to go anywhere but it's some damn tornadoes because just not right now they have me standing up to my neck in snow with this stupid ruler, which is only 12 inches long and I'm 6'4 and the snow's up to my chest and I'm going, why do you hand me a ruler, jackass, when you know that the snow's five and a half feet high? What the hell am I holding this for? Because because they didn't even have any supplies to be prepared for this type of snow but I'm standing out here like a jackass anyway and I'm gonna take my shot punk I'm gonna make sure that I get to move to Chicago or I get to do the Houston area or some crap like that it doesn't matter somewhere I'm gonna be the chief meteorologist and this is my shot now back up punk go you're on the air hi I'm Frank Hansom you know what's really cold outside right now what with it being winter and all <laughs> And in addition to that, even though you could probably look out your window and realize that we have four feet of snow, I'm going to wear a suit with actual measurements on it, and I'm going to step into the snowbag. Well, what a coincidence. Even though we already told you it was four feet of snow, and you walked out of your house and saw that it was four feet of snow, and we've been telling you for the past five days it's going to be four feet of snow, if you notice, I stood in the snow, and right around the four-foot mark on my suit that has the measurements, it says four feet. I know what you're probably thinking. Why am I standing out here telling you something you already know? Well, let me tell you the same thing I told that guy before the cameras came on. I'm trying to move to a market where I could be the chief meteorologist, bunks. Okay? You think I want to be standing out here in this damn snow? Huh? Huh? You think I spent four years in school to go to college and I went to get a degree in this crap because I wanted to be standing in snow like a sucker? I have five PhDs, damn it, and I should be the chief meteor meteorologist, not that punk over there who just got a certificate. I'm a damn scientist. I actually have uh, letters from NASA. They would, yes, I would make more money, but I wouldn't be on the air. You get laid by being on the air and not being some brilliant genius over at NASA. Yeah, I want some stars stuff, damn it. I want to move to New York or Los Angeles. I probably should not be saying this on the air because now this is going to be a viral video called Crazy Meteorologist Flips Out and tries to, wait a minute, as it turns out, that might actually help my career if I flip out like a jackass on the air because then it'll go viral. Everyone will see it. I'm good looking and tall. You know what? As it turns out, I'm going to now say some stuff on the air that's going to make this go even more viral and make me more famous. Booga, 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 blah, 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 blah. See, how about that? I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Okay, that ought to get it viral. And in about a week and a half, it'll have 17 million hits. I'll be, I'll be getting interviewed on several shows as the wacky meteorologist. Welcome to New York, my friend. Welcome to New York. In fact, I quit already because I already know I'm going to be a star. Hey, Whatever, I don't even remember what town this is anymore. Guess what? There's lots of snow. Get over it, dickheads. It happens every year. I'm out of here. Okay, that never actually happened, but uh, <laughs> it would be kind of fun. I get a kick, I get a kick out of watching the uh, the snow forecasts and watching everybody stand out there with their little stupid rulers and, and seven inches of snow. See, look, I stuck a ruler in it. You know, it's fun. It's white noise in the background. You know, and some of those meteorologist ladies are hot as hell and they don't get a chance to be on air to be ogled by me and they get their chance to be ogled by me because why would they worry about their professional careers and the fact that they're highly intelligent, highly developed human beings? They don't care about that. They're probably sitting there going, listen, I'm a professional. I'm in a major, major media market. I'm at the top of my profession. But what really matters is some halfway decent looking guy doing a podcast thinks I'm cute. That's what's really important. <laughs> at least that's what goes on in my mind. <laughs> don't judge me, punks. Segment over. 
We'll be back right after this short message. And now, back to the show. You know what? Let me tell you something, my friends. A couple of my, I'm a friend of a couple, and they're good people, and they have three kids right now, and they keep talking to me, and and they always complain about how the, how they can't get any time alone to get it on, so they can, you know, because they have three kids, and they just sit there making excuses for their kids. Well, you know, their kids and kids need attention, and you know, I mean, we really would like to be together and enjoy each other as man and wife, you know, like we did before the kids were there, but the kids, you know, they're always in the way, but you know, they're just being kids and. Kids and I'm thinking, you know what? You need to stop making excuses for your little stinking kids. I'm telling you right now, I don't think it's a coincidence. They keep talking about how every time they think they got the kids to sleep, and as soon as they start getting ready to get it on, all of a sudden one of the kids comes, starts crying, or, or the one that comes crawling down the hallway and starts making noise and interrupting them, or one of them always wants to sleep in the bed with them. Come on. Kids don't want to sleep in the bed with parents. They had you, you were following them around all day, stopping them from destroying stuff and sticking stuff in their mouth and correcting them all day. You think they want more time with you? Are you crazy? If somebody was following you around all day and every time you did something that they didn't like, they could physically pick you up and move you so far away from the thing that you wanted to do that you could look at the thing you wanted to do and go, you know, that's just too far away for me to go back and do that thing. And then you find something else you want to do and the other person gets a no 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 when they pick you up and they put you in this they call it a crib but it feels more like a cage with the same three lame ass toys you didn't want to play with in the first place which is why you kept trying to crawl out of the crib because you're like listen I need to play with something there's a wonderful electric socket over there I got that penny that's under the table that everybody forgot about I need to take that penny and put it in that electric socket because that looks like fun I don't want to sit here looking at that thing swinging around on a stick above me I don't have time for that lame ass crap those kids don't want to be around your punk ass. You know that. Come on. And everybody's always surprised by the cognitive leaps that children have. Let me tell you something right now. I don't necessarily think those are cognitive leaps. I'm thinking that the kid was learning gradually and gradually and gradually and gradually every day, every day getting a little bit smarter, every day getting a little sitting there watching and learning. And they're smart enough because they didn't want you. Let's be honest. If the kid can sit there in the middle of the room and all of a sudden you walk into the room and everything's great. And the second you walk out of the room, all of a sudden, and the kid is smacking something into the top of the table and then when they hear you coming back their little punk ass is sitting back in the middle of the room like nothing happens you know what that means means the little punk can plot means the little sucker knew what they were doing was wrong and they didn't want to get caught so don't give me that cognitive leap crap those kids knew exactly what was going on you ever ever have a, a kid that you, you were thinking was just learning how to talk then all of a sudden they slip up and say a word perfectly to perfectly the kind of perfection of saying that word as if they've been saying it for a while and then they go back to the babbling get out of here punk I know daggone well you can say more than goo goo gaga I asked you hey do you like spare you like this cereal yes I do wait a second you just said three words you little punk you've never you've been sitting there with just one word at a time and all of a sudden you got a sentence <laughs> no you don't punk I know your tricks 
So don't think it's a coincidence when you're trying to get it on when your little punk ass kids decide to bust into the room to stop you from getting it on. I'm telling you right now, these people have three kids and I'm telling you right now, those three kids are plotting and planning. They don't want you to get it on. Why? Because they know what the deal is. They did the math. They sat there and said, our parents are making a pretty good living. Now, they don't have a lot of money right now, mainly because there's three of us to care for. But if these two large people get it on again, they're going to have another one of us. And then we're going to have to take this inheritance and split it four ways. Oh, hell no. Three ways is enough, not four ways. And for all I know, they could get it on and have twins or triplets because we have twins and triplets in the family. And then let's say worst case scenario, triplets. And then all of a sudden, all of the money that the three of us are going to get gets cut in half. Oh, hell no. I know I would love my brother or sister if they were to arrive and I wouldn't want to shoot them okay that's not exactly true because I tried to shoot the uh, you too I mean no I didn't <laughs> I was just playing with that toy <laughs> anyway but we can't have our inheritance cut in half not even cut by having one more kid so whatever they do as soon as they start kissing if they start heading upstairs I want one of us has to take turns crying it can't be the same one again we want to mix it up because we want to keep them nice and frazzled so they don't realize that we're on to them Every time they and if they try that date night crap, I don't think so, punk, because if you're out of the house, we can't stop you from getting it on. So we're not even going to let you leave the house. That's right. If the babysitter picks us up, we're going to cry hysterically. And every time you try to walk for the door, we're going to stick both of our arms out as if to say, pick me up. And then you're going to feel guilty. You you may be able to even get to the dinner. You may be able, able to get to the dinner. You may even get to the hotel room and start feeling each other up but eventually you're gonna call back to see how we're doing and the second we hear that damn phone rings we're gonna go absolutely ape shit crazy so you can't stop thinking about us and you definitely ain't gonna start thinking about getting it on and you bring your old punk asses back to the house without getting it on and our inheritances will be intact that's right and hey, mom, <laughs> I know you feel a little insecure sometimes. You gained a little bit of weight. Doesn't bother dad. I see the way he looks at you. But you know what? I'm not going to eat my food, all that food with the sugar in it. And you're going to have to eat some of it. And then I'm going to want ice cream all the time. And then you're going to want ice cream. And you're going to gain like four pounds, which really doesn't matter to anybody else. But I'm going to make you feel insecure by patting your stomach all the time. Even though most people will say you look great, just the simple fact that I do that. That's going to play on your insecurities and I'm not going to let you go to the gym to try to make yourself feel better, even though you look great. But I don't want you to feel that way because the more attractive you feel, the more attractive you'll be. Then dad's going to want to jump on top of you and there's the potential of cutting into our money. I don't think so, woman. Yeah, that's right. And dad, I know what you're thinking. You're a dude. You're looking at mom. I see what the deal is. I know how I got here. I used to be in your balls, punk. I was a part of you. I know how you think. Half of me was in your balls, punk. So I know what you're thinking. I'm the oldest child, punk. I know what the deal is. So let's go outside and play football, dad. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's right. You don't know. You don't need that cup, Dad. I'm definitely not going to throw this football and hit you in the balls, or as I like to call them, the inheritance messer-uppers. And I all oh, got you right in the balls, Dad. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, walk it off, old man. Walk it off. Bet you won't be thinking about trying to get Mom pregnant after this. After I hit you in the balls with that football, old man. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Dad. Oh, you. Uh oh. I see Dad's looking at Mom again. You know what I think we need to do, Dad? You and I need to play a little baseball. No, 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 no. Not the wiffle ball. Get the really hard baseball right there. Yeah. <laughs> I've been practicing my my targeted hitting, Dad. You'll never guess where the fifth pitch is going. Oh, I'm gonna miss a couple of times to make it look good. Oh, yeah, he's getting a little comfortable. He's widening his stance. What a dumbass. And here it comes. Crack. Oh, I got you in the balls, Dad. <laughs> I hope I didn't hurt your inheritance messer-uppers over there. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dad. You got to take the brunt of it. We can't do anything to Mom because her ovaries are up inside of her body protected. But your inheritance messer-uppers are swinging right there in your pants. And I'm a little kid, so you can't get mad at me. I mean, we're having a bonding moment. It's just a coincidence that every time you you will not play anything where there's a projectile. It always hits you in the balls. You know, Dad, football's dangerous. Baseball's dangerous. Why don't you just give me the Frisbee? <laughs> oh, I got you in the inheritance messer up as again. Oh, you know what you should do, Dad? You should probably put some ice on those, you know, and rest them. Definitely not use them, Dad. That's right. I know this is kind of a weird scenario, and you're probably thinking your kids aren't that devious, aren't that sneaky that they would actually do something like that to keep their parents from getting it on, but I'm telling you right now. Watch those kids, damn it. They know what they're doing. Would you want to split up your inheritance if it's already divided up three ways? Just because she looks good to you, Dad. It's not about you, punk. It's not about you, old man. If you really think about it, since there's only two of you, you didn't need to have three kids. All you needed to do was have me and one more kid to just replace yourself so when you get old, dry up, and die. But as a smart ass like you two, you had three kids. But that's okay. Not a big deal. I don't mind having my inheritance die divvied up a little bit more. But if you think you and mom are going to make some more kids and cut into my bread and my sister's bread and my other brother's bread, you're crazy. <laughs> Maybe we can't get the, uh, the the old woman with projectiles, but your kid and your inheritance messer uppers are always in play. And then after I said all of that to them, they went, um, S, have you been awake more than 20 hours? And I said, yes, I have. And they said, you know what? Maybe you should go to sleep here and not drive home because we asked you for advice. And now you're scaring us with the stuff that you said. And I said, I'm kind of scaring myself, too. <laughs> and then I went on the couch, woke up and realized how ridiculous what I just said was. <laughs> Don't judge me, you bastards. Segment over. 
You know what's annoying? Let me tell you something. There's cameras everywhere now. And I'm not necessarily just talking about the fact that everybody has a high-definition camera in their pocket. I'm not necessarily talking about that because for the most part, those cameras are in people's pockets or they're surfing the web on them. They're not actually aiming them at someone to shoot something. The only time they turn their cameras on is if they see something interesting to film, which is why in many cases, they always miss the first few minutes or the first few seconds of something that you wanted to see on the internet in some kind of wacky viral video. You're always going, why did the fight start? You don't know why the fight started because the camera was in their purse or their back pocket or some crap like that. But I'm not even talking about those cameras. Those, that's a cool technology. And most of the time, they always they, people are just filming themselves at parties vomiting on their brothers or some crap like that or taking selfies in the bathroom or some junk like that or singing badly at a karaoke party or their babies making dopey faces or they're catching their cat doing something that cats always do. But for some reason, you happen to catch it this time. That kind of crap. OK. But what I'm talking about is the cameras that are everywhere at all times. And the only reason that we have cameras everywhere at all times is because of criminals. If nobody was stealing crap, people wouldn't be putting those cameras up. Yeah, that's right. So if you've ever been caught doing something embarrassing, you ever get caught falling flat on your face or that lady that was walking in the mall and she had a camera, she was looking at the phone and she went face first into the water or somebody that's peeing on the side of a building. You're not a bad person. This is an aberration. This is a this is a complete unique event. For some reason, you just can't hold it. You can't find a place. And for the one time in your life, you whip your junk out, and you pee on the side of a building. You don't want to do that. You'll probably never do that again in your life. It's the one time, but it doesn't matter. Now your balls are on the Internet because there was a camera up in that tree. Why? Because some criminal did some crap and the person wanted to catch him. That camera's only there because of the criminals. Yeah, that's right. And let me ask you a question, you people who are getting tortured by stuff that you didn't do because criminals did some crap. You know, those sober stops where they pull people over randomly to give them sobriety tests. Are they doing that because of the people that have never had a drink behind the wheel of a car? No, they're doing it because of the drunk bastards. So now all of a sudden you get pulled over and you have to go through some kind of sobriety test when you didn't do anything. Why? Because some drunk bastard ran over some people and now you have to suffer the consequences you know how easy it would be to get on an airplane if jackasses weren't doing stupid stuff on airplanes and i'm not even necessarily talking about the terrorists who quite frankly fuck them i'm just saying in general jackasses who start fights on airplanes and do dumb stuff any kind of jackass that makes it hard to be on an airplane if you didn't have to go through security checks because people didn't want to act like jackasses, air flight would be just air flight would rule. Right. Everything we you know, we notice how many things are horrible because jackasses did something and we all have to suffer the consequences because the jackass did something. Every single time you're not getting frisked at the airport because of something you did. Right. 
But it's funny how we always have to take the brunt of what somebody else did. It's the same thing when you're in a relationship with somebody. I never cheated on anybody I ever dated. But all of a sudden, and who, and really? So you have a hotel key in your back pocket. And who was the bitch that you, and why, who was, and who, why did you have a hotel key? Uh, Because I'm a stand-up comedian, and that's the room that I stayed in because... This club was in a different city. Oh, oh, well, I, uh, oh. Now, under normal circumstances, that key would be in my pocket. The person would go, look at this. You still have the key from the hotel room. (laughs) Right? But the reason I'm getting the 15th and 16th degree is because the last dude she was with was banging everybody in her family, including people she had across the street. Why? Because he's a piece of crap. But because he's a piece of crap, I get treated like crap. Okay, you ever get a speeding ticket because you're the only person they could catch? Have you, you know what I'm saying? You've never gotten a speeding ticket when you were the only one going 75 miles an hour. You were the one going 75 miles an hour that they could catch. And if everybody was cool to 75 miles an hour and nobody cut in front of anybody and nobody abruptly stopped and nobody acted like a jackass on the road, nobody would be getting tickets because the police would be someplace else dealing with that crap. So I just want to say one thing, damn it. I want to start not only a snitching campaign, I want to start a pre-snitching campaign. Now, you're probably going, S-Machine, what is a pre-snitching campaign? See, a snitching campaign is snitching on somebody after they did stuff. But we, a lot of times people know that a person's about to do something bad. They know the person's about to do something bad. So why do you wait until the person that's going to get their ass whipped gets their ass whipped? Why not tell on the bastard before they whoop their ass? Have the police officers sitting around the corner and just when he's about to do the ass whipping, bam, a police officer comes around and arrests their punk asses before they whoop the person's ass. Yeah, that's right. Right? I don't like people tattletailing on people, but I'm telling you right now, wouldn't it be just awesome if there was a jackass driving aggressively and you could just pick up the phone and record the bastard, email a picture of this person being a jackass on the road, driving aggressively, tailgating, cutting people off, acting like an ass, doing all sorts of stuff, threatening people. Then all of a sudden that piece of shit goes home thinking everything's cool and all of a sudden they check the mail and there's a bunch of tickets for being a dick yeah that's right i said it punks you gotta get people before they become jackasses because once they become jackasses it's a steady train of jackassedness that you have to deal with yeah that's right if you had a guy that's out there cheating on women and you know women you know what a guy looks like that's cheating you should never bang him you should give him a Penalty box of no buttocks penalty box. Every time a guy cheats on a woman, whether she be a good woman or, you know, or just any kind, just any kind of cheating. Every woman in the world should get a picture of the bastard and he should be put in the no buttocks penalty box. That's right. Every time he thinks he's about to get some delicious buttocks, make his punk ass go to the penalty box. And I hope the woman he wants to have sex with walks in front of him with the bikini and he's like, oh, man, I to get and she's going no punk you don't get any of this delicious buttocks you cheated on a woman so for the next 14 women you approach you can't have sex with them you have to go to the no buttocks penalty box punk 
That's the only way you're going to ever let a person learn, right? If he got a dog, what happens to the dog? The dog wets the carpet. What do you do? You put the dog's nose in the piss and you pop the dog on the nose with a newspaper. Okay, maybe no one does that anymore because that's animal abuse, but I'm sure something is happening to stop the bad behavior. I don't know what it is. I'm not the dog whisperer. I'm a podcaster, you silly bastard. Okay? So I don't know exactly how that's done. I couldn't tell you how it's done. I'd like to be able to tell you how it's done, but I don't know how to tell you how it's done. All I know is that they need to be punished before they get into any kind of bad stuff. There should be no side women and there should be no side men. And if you are a side woman or a side man, you should reform and be a side narc. That's right. As soon as they climb on top of you about to get it on, you jump up really quickly and say, gotcha. You're not going to go to the no buttocks penalty box and you're not going to be able to get it on with anybody. That's right, punk. So what I'm saying right now is we got to make sure that what we do is we got to make sure we pre-snitch on people before they get an opportunity to do anything. If they're about to commit a crime, you need to go and tell on them. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. If they're about to cheat on anybody, you got to tell on them before they go cheating on anybody. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Damn it. Because I'm getting tired of having to deal with the penalties of other people doing stuff. And then we get in trouble for it. Hell no. I don't think so. So all I'm saying is, listen, people, we need to pre-snitch on people. And when it comes to cheaters, people who can get other people pregnant, people who can damage relationships, people who can spread diseases, we got to take those bastards and put them into the no buttocks penalty box where they get no delicious buttocks. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Because why do they always take away somebody's uh, uh, they always wait until somebody does something really, really horrible before they take away a person's license? Why you got to wait until somebody crashes into something? Right. Isn't tailgating potentially dangerous? Isn't tailgating like taking a baseball bat and swinging it at somebody's head? Well, I wasn't intending on hitting. I just wanted to swing it really close to his head. I didn't want to hit him, but you could have hit him. It's almost as bad as hitting him. Right. Because if you had the baseball bat and you weren't swinging it or anywhere near the person's head, there was no chance of him getting hit in the head with the baseball bat. But if you walk by his head, and you start swinging the baseball bat with vicious intent. But you didn't intend. You only wanted to get close to him. You only wanted to make a point. But you could have hit him in the head. That's all I'm saying. If you tailgate, your punk ass should have your license taken away. You should be in the no driving penalty box, punk. Yeah, that's right. So all I'm saying is we got to put people in the penalty box and we got to pre-snitch on people. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Maybe it sounds weird that I'm saying it, but I don't care if it's weird. That's what we got to do, damn it. Yeah, that's right. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to make the world a better place. And at the end of this segment, I would like to say right now that I'm announcing my candidacy for the presidency of the United States of America. Segment over. Can I ask you this? Do you work out at home? 
Man, I have nothing but the utmost respect for people that actually work out at home. And I used to be one of those dudes. I used to be one of those dudes because when I bought my equipment a long time ago, I used to use that crap religiously. Not only did I use it every day, I used it every morning, afternoon, and night. That's right, punks. But the funny thing about it is I have a friend that goes to a gym and he likes to work out with me because it because it's fun because we're buddies. And the funny thing about it is I will work out there and walk right past the stuff I have in the house. I only go to the gym a couple of days a week, maybe a few times a month with the cat because I can't do it all the time. But for some reason, even though I'm not working out enough in my mind, I worked out. Keep keep in mind, there's stuff right next to the bed. There's weights. I can actually take 15 steps, and I got weights, bike, stair machine, weight bench, all of that stuff, kettlebells sitting right there. And guess who doesn't touch them? Yours truly. I act like I, it's almost like they're invisible. It's like if somebody comes over to my house, they happen to be upstairs. I'm not paying attention, and I kick one of the kettlebells, and my foot starts bleeding, and I look down. My foot's bleeding. What the hell happened? You kicked the kettlebell. You should pay more attention. Kettlebell? Where's the kettlebell? It's right there in front of you. I can't see it, and you turn around and trip over the treadmill. What the? I'm falling down. I'm. What is going on? I don't drink. Why am I falling down as if I tripped over something? You did trip over something. You tripped over your treadmill. What treadmill? The one right there. I don't have a treadmill yet. Yes, you do. You're laying on it right now, you dumb bastard. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of such a thing. Really? When you were in the gym last time, what was it that you were running on for 45 minutes? The treadmill. So you're aware of the fact that treadmills exist? Of course I'm aware of the fact that treadmills exist. What kind of stupid question is that? I know what a treadmill is. Well, you're not. You're laying on a treadmill right now with a bloody foot because you kicked the kettlebell and you fell down and tripped over the treadmill in your own house. Dude, is there something wrong with you? There was no treadmill and kettlebell in my house right now. <laughs> because that's what happens, you dumb bastards. We walk right by the equipment we have in the house. Spent money on it. Won't use it. Why? Because everybody knows when you work out at home, it doesn't really count. Right? Workouts at home don't mean anything. It only counts when you do it outside of the house. Which is the exact opposite of what happens with food. The only food that puts calories in your stomach and makes your ass the size of a house is the food that you eat outside. The fact that you came home and you know the fact that uh, the fact that you came home and all of a sudden you ate six slices of cake inside the house, that doesn't count. Only the stuff you ate outside the house counts. Okay, right? Isn't that how it works? No, that's not how it works. But that's how we act like it works. You could see somebody outside, outside the house, and they're buying stuff at Salad Works, and they're buying salads, and they're having diet water and prout and sprout sandwiches and low-calorie ice cubes in there, and all of a sudden they come home. I did good. I had a salad with low-calorie ice cubes, sprout juice, and diet water. I did great. <laughs> and they're telling you why they're sitting next to you on the couch eating Chinese food as they shake MSG on it from a can of MSG that they've had in the basement for years as they finish that off and top it off with cupcakes with lard on it but it doesn't count because we ate it here if it was eaten outside the house those calories count but it doesn't count when we're in the house nothing counts when we're in the house exercise doesn't count when we're in the house cupcakes with lard centers with bacon on top of them that we eat for breakfast that doesn't count because it was eaten in the house why because people are crazy <laughs> 
you know so i know you know what i'm talking about come on don't act like you don't know what i mean you know you know you work out at home and when you work out at home and it's always some kind of punk ass workout you don't really push yourself because there's nobody there to make you feel guilty that's why it doesn't that's why when you work out at home your workouts suck if you're in the gym and people are looking at you and you try to do some little punk ass workout and you don't raise the weights and you don't do 10 full reps there's somebody sitting there that went with you to the gym going isn't that the same weight you've been using for the past six months punk and you're doing three sets of eight not three sets of ten you soft punk and all of a sudden you work out and you work out with them and you see the results and you're going man i feel great it's better to go to the gym right but at home you know you ain't doing shit you do uh, one two three yeah that's enough you do three crunches ah that's it i felt the burn you run in place for 10 seconds and then you go to your calendar weights plus cardio plus abs and then someone walks in and looks at the calendar and goes wow you've been working out hard you did weights and cardio and abs and you did all of that in one day and you did it every day for a week man you were really you you're really working hard and i'm trying to figure out since you work out every day and you have worked out every day in your home for seven months why you gained 12 pounds i don't know how the hell that happened if you worked out as much as you work because when you worked out at the gym you actually lost 37 pounds and you had abdominals now you do not have abdominals i mean i'm sure they're in there somewhere but they're covered by caramel yeah your abdominals are covered by caramel because you keep eating caramel in your house because you're a disgusting non-working out caramel drinking punk So here's my here's my thing. I know now that I have enough weights at home and I know I need to work out. And there's probably some of you bastards out there that need to work out, too. Let's make a deal, my friends, my Patreon friends. Let's make a deal, you bastards. Starting. Let's see. What's it? April what? 13th. All right. We're going to give ourselves a couple of more weeks to be disgusting slobs. I mean, to get ourselves together <laughs> shut up punks what we're going to do is starting in may me you what we're going to do we're going to eat right and exercise may june july and august and we're going to see how much weight we lose and see how good we do and i'm saying that and i mean it <laughs> could you hit the pause button please uh listen this is a podcast. It's an audio podcast. It's not like they're going to get to see how much weight I lost. <laughs> In fact, if you notice, I didn't even tell them what my start weight was. So, you know, I could always, you know, whatever weight I am, I could always just say that my previous weight was 40 pounds more. And then they'll be like, wow, this guy was really disciplined. He lost 10 pounds a month for four months. What a disciplined guy. This guy's the greatest. And I'm going to go, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to put that work in to get to where you are. Because if you tell people you were 40 pounds heavier, no matter what weight you are, they're going to go, man, you look great. Even if you don't look great, they're going to say to you man you look great because they must go man he looks like that but with 40 more pounds he must have really been gross so what i'm gonna say is that he looks great and hopefully that will encourage his punk ass to keep doing whatever he did to lose the 40 pounds all the while they don't know you didn't lose shit but it doesn't matter because you got a free compliment <laughs> segment over folks let me ask you a question you know i'm actually improving my health as much as possible 
you know, I'm working out. I'm trying to get back in shape because I want to live a nice, long, healthy life. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I want to get it on with lots of babes. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, so I go to the doctor's office and my doctor is a wonderful doctor and she's a very, very thorough doctor. She's very she's one of those doctors that's into preventative medicine, you know, and I and I respect that. You know, I respect the fact that a doctor's like, why should I wait till you get sick and heal you when I can make sure you don't get sick in the first place? So she's the kind of person that will, will give you make you take tests to make sure everything's cool. So nothing actually happens. So she gives, she makes, she sends me out for a stress test. And I don't know if you've ever had a stress test and I had never been to a place to have a stress test, but it's an interesting experience. I'll put it to you this way. They say, well, be prepared to be here for three hours. I'm going three hours. The hell am I going to be here for three hours for? Now, you're not actually going to be there for three hours. You're probably going to be there for about an hour and, and, and a half at the most. But they tell you that crap so you can't whine like a punk if somehow you are stuck there that long. Just giving you a heads up. So I walk in there and the first thing they do is they make you take your clothes off and get in your drawers and you run on the treadmill. And. You know, that's not a big deal. And, the, you know, they basically want to give, you know, we're going to measure this and see if your heart rate is that. And we're going to check this and we're going to check that. And I don't want to be on the treadmill. I'm in there with this doctor who has the sense of humor of a chair. If you took a chair someplace that removes the sense of humor from a chair. And it was just, oh, God, you know, and I, and I was like, it's just, you know, it's just like a dry thing. And it's like, I don't want to be there. So I'm running on the treadmill and I'm exhausted after about six minutes of running on the treadmill because you run on the treadmill. And the first thing they do is they raise the treadmill up. And at an, you know, at, at varying degrees to make it more difficult to raise your heart rate. Then they take you to the back room and they measure your chest and they, 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 they we'll see if this is, we'll check this out and we're going to scan this and look at that and scan that and this and scan this and scan that and put the scan on that and scan this and look at that and check that. And then you go back out to the room while they take a look at that. I guess maybe it's a baseline reading. I don't know. And I was really weirded. I was like, man, I was like, I ran on the treadmill for six minutes. They scanned it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with me. They take me back again. And this time you got to run on the treadmill again. And the guy goes, this time I want you to run on the treadmill. And right at the point where you can't take it anymore, right at the point where you feel like you can't run anymore, right at that point, damn it, what I want you. We didn't say damn it. I said damn it in my head. Right at that point, I want you to let me know. And then I'm going to put this dye in your body. I'm going to shoot this dye in your body and then we're going to scan you again. And I'm going, okay, great. So I'm on the treadmill and it's about three minutes in and I'm getting exhausted. And then I hear someone knock on the door and the technicians walk in the door. And these two ladies were spectacularly beautiful. And I'm, and it was really weird because if you really think about it, when there's sometimes when you see someone, no matter who it is, they're so good looking that you can't believe what you're seeing. And you'll see that during the course of your lifetime. You've seen that before in person. You've seen someone like that. Well, this was two of them next to each other, both of them technicians, one of them working there regularly. And the other one was a trainee who was going to be hired there eventually when her probation period was over. 
And now I'm running on the treadmill and there's two ridiculously good looking women cheering me on. Go, Mr. Thomas, go. And surprisingly enough, I wasn't tired anymore. Where before I was only able to run on the treadmill for about two seconds. Now I'm running at full speed and I'm not exhausted at all. I'm sure it was a coincidence. It didn't have anything to do with two ridiculously attractive women in their 20s and 30s watching me run on a treadmill with my shirt off. Had nothing to do to it with it. The doctor comes back in. How you doing, Mr. Thomas? I'm going, <laughs> is this all the treadmill has, sir? <laughs> you have any double treadmills? Because this treadmill is what I like to refer to lovingly as a punk. This treadmill is nothing. <laughs> okay, great. Well, since you can't raise your heart rate, what we're going to do is we're going to raise the incline a little bit. He raised the incline and it started to get tougher. And I'm going, oh crap, I should have just told him to give me the die because he said, when you almost can't handle it anymore, let me know when I'm going to come in and we're going to shoot the die in you and then we'll wait a couple seconds and then we'll put you back in the room and scan your heart again and then you can go home and I was getting exhausted and I turned to the right and these two ridiculously beautiful women were smiling at me telling me how good I was doing oh my good you, you must be getting in, must be in pretty good shape I mean you're running really really fast and it's at a high incline and your heart rate isn't even raised that much. I mean, you must be really working out really good. As a matter of fact, I am ridiculously attractive women. I work out all the time. I practice by sticking a piece of metal into the side of old cars and using that for bicep curls. Now, granted, it doesn't look like it in my biceps. That's just an optical illusion. Please don't squeeze them. You're going to embarrass me. <laughs> and I keep running. And so for some reason, every time I looked across at the delicious women, for some reason, I wasn't tired anymore. And the treadmill wasn't even a, anywhere close to a challenge. And the doctor comes back in and goes, I don't believe this, Mr. Thomas. This is incredible. I mean, the first time you ran on the treadmill, you only ran about four minutes. You were drenching with sweat. Now you've been running on the treadmill for 14 minutes and your heart rate hasn't even it's only raised a little. Let me raise the, let me raise the incline some more. And now he's raising the incline. And now the incline is raised so high, I actually have to grab the bar on the front of the treadmill. And I look back over after the, the two delicious women. I'm going, how you doing, ladies? <laughs> and I'm making it a point not to sound like I'm out of breath. But this time, my heart rate's going up. But it's not going up enough. And I'm looking at them. And I'm like, yeah, ladies, I don't, know, I don't know what I mean. You know what you should do, ladies? Why don't you go back out there and tell the doctor. <laughs> tell the doctor to raise it. To just turn the treadmill off. Staple it to the wall. And I'll run on this treadmill while I'm completely horizontal because <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> You're doing so good, Mr. Thomas. And at some point, my body goes, listen, these women are probably married to dudes that look good. You have no chance whatsoever. Why did you take your shirt off pudding belly, put your shirt back on and then tell the doctor to come back in here and put the dye in us before we die right in front of them? And I say, you know what, ladies? I don't want to waste the doctor's time. I don't really need him to come back in here, but just tell the doctor to come back in here and shoot the die in my arm. Not that I need it because I've been in such incredible shape, the kind of shape that an attractive woman such as either one of you would want to have babies with. <laughs> I did not say that. So the doctor comes back in and now I'm completely exhausted. It's 27 minutes. I should not have. I should have stopped after 14. But like I said, two delicious women were there. So they put the dye in my arm. I go back into the other room and they check my heart out and then they send me home. Stress test. And you know what I'm thinking now that I think about it? 
There's really no reason to have two perfect 14s standing in the room at the stress test. Those jackasses probably just put them in there to make me run longer. It had nothing to do with the fact that they're highly competent professionals just doing their jobs. (laughs) Who's narcissistic? (laughs) But always medical tests to me are really a big pain in the ass because they always make up stuff to make you feel better. You know what I'm saying? Like the ladies that were encouraging me on the treadmill were probably going, let's let this 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 pudding belly bastard feel better about himself. You know, my, I really want to say, Mr. Thomas, at least put the bottom half of your shirt back on, you fat bastard. But I don't want to say that to him. I don't want to hurt his feelings. That's probably what they were thinking. But they're sweet women and they decided not to say that. Because <laughs> I had to come back for more tests. Because the doctor, like I said, she wanted to go and do a whole battery of tests because she's my new doctor and she wanted to have a baseline of where I am. So now I have to go back and get my head scanned. And the funny thing about the whole situation is they keep shooting this radioactive crap in you and they kind of have to to do the CAT scans and everything. But what they didn't what the, see, this is this is what I'm talking about. I'm laying there and they're going to put me in the machine and the doctor, the, the tech goes, listen, I'm going to put this radioactive, double radioactive juice in you. That's a technical term. And it's going to feel a little warm, a little warm and tingly. And then we're going to slide you into the device and we need you not to move because if you move, we're going to have to start all over again. So how long do I need to stay there? You need to not move until you pass out. Okay, just don't move. It's going to be a long time. I'm not going to tell you the time because it's going to be longer than whatever I said. So she shoot, they shoot the juice in in my arm and they say it's going to be a little warm, a little warm. It's going to be a little warm, a little warm, little warm, little warm. Would you like to know how warm it actually was? Well, I'll tell you. Have you ever made piping hot tea because you're the kind of person that likes to drink really hot liquids? You know that level of tea where it's so hot it burns your face and you can't drink it? Well, it wasn't that hot. There's a line that starts the level of hotness where you can't drink it. Well, whatever is right before that, That's how hot the stuff was. Just imagine having tea of that temperature inside your blood vest, inside your veins. And now you can feel every vein in your body. You now you know you have veins places you didn't know you had veins. Oh, it felt great. Hey, you have anything else? And I'm sitting, and then when I'm sitting there and I wanted to look over to her, she goes, well, Mr. Thomas, apparently you're feeling the warmth. I'm going warmth. This is what you call warmth. This is not warmth. This is you're burning my ass out. This is hot. I said, if you're going to do set me on fire next and tell me it's 60 degrees in here. I'm telling you right now, doctors make crap up. Doctors make crap up. You get a prostate exam. Oh, this is going to this is not going to be uncomfortable at all. First of all, you haven't even done it yet and it's uncomfortable because I know what it is. I don't even like you checking me for a hernia. I know you got to do it, but I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> oh, this needle's not going to hurt at all. They start see it starts out when you're a little kid and they start lying to you back then. Oh, this needle's not going to hurt at all, little s. Oh, it's not going to hurt. Ow! And you look at the doctor and they're going, 
I can't believe they, you lying white coat wearing piece of crap. I hate your guts. The dentist telling you that, oh, this is going to numb your gums so you don't even feel the needle. Really? Does it really now? No, it doesn't. I remember one time I had a dentist that said, you know what, this is a little needle. You don't need the numbing agent. Oh, I don't need the numbing agent, do I? Uh, yes, I did. They're lying all the time. I don't even know why we even trust those bastards. Quite frankly, every time you you see the, I'm sitting there going, like when they give you medicines and you take the medicine home and you read the piece of paper. That's, first of all, it says more stuff on the paper than the doctor says when you were in the office with him. Why didn't you tell me about all these damn side effects when you gave me the medicine in the first place? You only tell me about the side effects that don't scare me. Well, we take this. You may have a little bit of skin flushing, if you know, and, uh, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and you may have a little bit of a, you know, you might have a really, really weird taste in your mouth. But that's about it. Most people only have that. It's not about what most people feel. Tell me about what the possibility of things I could feel. Because I remember taking one medicine, uh, I forgot exactly what it was. I think I cut my foot or some crap like that. And it was one of those medicines that was, you know, oh, you don't need the, you need this generic version and the generic version. And these are the side effects. <laughs> and a small percentage of the people feel these side effects. Yeah, well, guess what? I was part of the small percentage of people that felt the side effects. I go back to the doctor. I said, doctor, I think I'm part of the small percentage of the people that have the side effects. And he said, how do you know? And I said, because I didn't have feathers when I went home, you bastard. How do I get rid of these feathers? Okay, I did not have feathers, but I did feel lightheaded. I never understood that. It's like, you know, just give me all the information. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. I can handle it if you give me the information. Don't make stuff up. Stop, doc. I know you're a smart guy or gal. You're more educated than I am. You're more educated than most people. You're a doctor for goodness sake. Tell me everything. It's your job as an intelligent person who's highly educated to break it down for us mere mortals the crap you're shoving down our throats just tell us what it is i don't want to hear any crap about well most people don't have a problem with it don't try to say it like that so you, you know because then you walk out thinking that you're some kind of chump if you were one of the few people that has the problem with the product no doc it's your fault you should do some kind of test to find out first if i'm the person that has the problem the problem with the product okay so it's only two percent of the people well how many people actually come into your office huh 200 well then what does that mean how many people you do the math doc that's how many people are going to be pissed off at you but if you told them beforehand they wouldn't be pissed off because you would have told them but you didn't tell them and you should have told them but other than that i like doctors <laughs> I just want doctors to tell us the truth. Come on, doc. We can handle it. Can you handle it? I can handle it. We all can handle it. Come on, doc. Level with us. Segment over. You know what's hilarious? 
You ever have somebody mad at you, really, really mad at you, and you genuinely have no idea why they're upset with you? You just don't. All you know is they were being nice to you. Now they're not being nice to you. I had a girlfriend and her relatives were over her house and they wanted to meet me. They had talked to me on the phone. They already started digging me. They already knew what I look like. She had sent pictures. They pretty much the only thing they haven't done, hadn't done at that point is been in the same room with me. So I walk in and I meet the people in your ass. Yeah. And oh, you're cuter than they said. And I'm like, thank you, miss. What, you know, her last name. And I gave her a hug and I high fived the dad and hugged the dad, the bro hug. Oh, you're taking good care of my little girl. I said, of course I am. Of course I am. I got all the money you paid me to date her. Oops. Then he laughs. And then everyone, we go about our business, right? So we're all having a great time and everything. And I'm being very, very cordial and polite to everybody because I normally am. And my girlfriend at the time, because she's around her family, she felt she dressed very, like very, very cash. She's wearing a tank top and shorts. It doesn't matter. Everyone else is a relative and I'm the guy that jumps on top of her on a regular basis. So she felt comfortable just wearing that. It wasn't inappropriate. It was nothing that she couldn't wear outside comfortably. It's nothing that you would go, well, that's inappropriate. But because I'm the dude that gets it on with her, I wanted to jump on top of her every second I saw her in it. And, you know, and, you know, you know, I'm a dude, so, you know, she, all her yummies is, I, I wanted to do, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gentleman and I maintained my composure and plotted on jumping on top of her the second her family got the hell out. So we're, we're in the kitchen. She's making something for some, I think she was making the grilled cheese sandwiches or something like that. And I walk past her and I see her delicious buttocks and I look back at her family and they're not looking and of course, I did what I do. I squeezed on it a little bit, a little bit, a little squeeze on there. <laughs> and like one of those sneak ones. And then I walk, continue to walk past her, go to the refrigerator and get the juices to give to everybody. And that was really not a big deal, especially since what I would normally do if they weren't there was jam my hands down, you know, inside the pants. I would go right inside the pants and grab a handful of that sweet ass, you understand? You understand what I'm saying? Forget that over the pants crap. I'm this is this is this these cheeks are for me. And since we were alone, I'm squeezing them. But I didn't do that out of respect for her family. I stayed over the pants and it was a very light little yeah. I didn't realize her sister saw it. Her sister was the only one that saw it. Her sister was the only person that thought her pants were inappropriate. They were not inappropriate. They were the kind of, you know, they were, they were the kind of pants. Michelle Obama wore jeans just like that in public. You know what I'm saying? It's the kind of jeans where you would see a 50-year-old woman would feel comfortable wearing these shorts. A 50-year-old woman wouldn't have an ass like that, but that's a different story. Or maybe they would. Who knows? I hope they do, because when I'm 50, I'm hoping whatever woman I'm with will be age appropriate. And of course, we'll have an ass like that. But that's a different story back to what I was saying. So I go and I do that. And her sister sees it. And her sister is the only person in the family that is one of those. Everything, everything must be exactly 6.5. Exactly, everything must be exact and perfect. And everything must be rigid and everything. And nothing can be out of order and everything. And I believe everything should be this, that. And, and women should wear skirts that be exactly one inch below the knee. And we must do this and that. And she was the only one that saw the loving buttock squeeze. No one else saw it. Most of them probably wouldn't have cared. They already knew we were dating for a while. They knew they could put one plus one equals two. And little did they know that one plus one equals 69. <laughs> Back to the story. So she sees that. 
right? And we're having a great time. Now, this is the older sister of the girl that I'm seeing. And she liked me as a person. She didn't hate me. She saw me squeeze her sister's delicious buttocks. She knew we were getting it on. She wasn't upset by that part because she figured we were going to get married and we probably would. But I'll talk about in another podcast why that shit didn't happen. None. That's a different story. So she's not upset by it. Okay. I mean, by, by, that she was upset by the fact that it happened with people in the room, even though she was the only one that saw it. So they're leaving and she goes, I want to talk to you. And she, not me, my girlfriend. And she takes her in the other room and I hear them talking. And then she walks out and my girlfriend walks out with this look on her face as if to say, couldn't you, you just die? Because she sat there in there for 25 minutes reading my girlfriend at the time, the polite riot acts about the fact that I, it was an inappropriate public display of affection. You should not have done that. You need to go talk to S and make sure he knows that even though I know you're sleeping together and I don't necessarily think that's the right thing to do, but he seems like a nice man and he's cute and he's this and he's that. And I mean, he's good to you and you seem happy, but I mean, he, like, I understand. I know he's going to squeeze your bottom, but that's something you should do and there's no one there and it's wrong and disgusting and... And basically just kind of ruined the whole vacation <laughs> with that with that moment. And because she's one of those ladies, I'm literally, I mean, I'm sitting there going, what is it like with her husband? If she's if you see if you're dating someone for two or some two years and you and they're together and they're happy and the guy walks up and give a little rub on the butt in in their place. Well, it's actually it's my girlfriend's house. I wasn't living with that girlfriend. It was in her house, and I'm getting What's the problem? They all knew we were getting it on. Come on, you, you think I'm going to date someone that looks that delicious and I'm not going to jump on top of her? And at the time, I looked incredible. I mean, I'm still cute now and I'll be incredibly and delicious in a year when I'm back in shape or six months beyond, to be more honest, when I'm back in shape, I'll be, <gasps> but I'm not now, now, but, but then I'll be, you understand? She's the kind of person that probably has it scheduled on the calendar. Okay, Philip, unlike my sister who allows her cute boyfriend to squeeze her buttocks, you only get to see one breast one day a month. Here's the left one. You have exactly 7.7 seconds to look at it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, you went over. That means you don't get to see it next month. Mm -hmm -hmm. We're not having children, so you get to have sex three times a year. You had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she was one of those. <laughs> you know, and I never understood that. People that are that's so rigid about that kind of thing. It just kind of. <laughs> come in and mess everything up I, that, that's the thing I never understood it's like it's funny how the family can show up and because like the friends the friends are in the along the lines of usually if you got a good friend and they see that you're happy but they're just not that thrilled with the person you're dating they'll come around just enough to be cool but then they'll be busy and, and you'll you, you, you kind of fall into a pattern of uh, them not being around the spouse and no, and everyone kind of silently knows they don't like each other but they don't hate each other and they don't take them I mean, they're hey margaret hanks they'll say hello to each other but you know they won't they won't interact too much but they both love you as the person i'm describing so they'll 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 be cordial to each other and then most most times they don't hate each other they're just not you know they just don't connect no big deal but the thing is, the friends will look at it and go, well, they're happy. So, hey, if they're happy, I'm their friend, whatever. But the family, the family, man, family will be like, I don't give a crap what you want. We don't like them. Get rid of them. <laughs> 
And in this particular instance, the entire family liked me. Even this particular lady liked me. She just didn't like the fact that I grabbed a hand. I did a gentle caress of her sister's delicious buttocks um, when the family was there. They couldn't see us, though. Jeez Louise. She probably would have flipped out if she realized that I squeezed her boobs when she went to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I hope you're listening to this. I squeezed the breast that same day. Yeah, that's right. You were upset about the whole thing with me rubbing her butt. And I, I squeezed both her breasts when we both walked into her bedroom. She, she went in there and she said she wanted me to help her carry something. Yeah, she wanted me to help her carry something. Her breasts and I carried them. Yeah, that's right. And remember when we went to the store to get something to eat? Oh, you want? Oh, yeah. You know, like, do you know what the store is? I I'm S. Anthony, you just come with me to carry me. The store is around the corner. You think it really took us? An hour and a half to get that little bit of crap from the store. Oh, no, it did not take an hour and a half. It took us 20 minutes. Guess what we were doing for the rest of the time? <laughs> yeah, you would have hated it because it happened. You don't like public displays of affection. I'll put it to you this way. Back seat of the car and twice. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you saw the little squeeze, but you didn't see the two big squeezes in the back room. And you definitely didn't see what I did to your sister in the backseat of that car twice. Yeah, that's right. Remember how she felt all bummed out when you took her into the back room and you gave her the riot act because she was behaving inappropriately and how she was kind of bummed out. And then she comes back from the supermarket and she was all smiles. Guess why she was all smiles? <laughs> yeah, because I made a smile. I made a smile real good. Listen, sister, instead of being such a pain in the neck and worrying about what your little sister is doing, who, by the way, was a grown woman. Trust me, I know. <laughs> Maybe you should worry about why your husband looks like he just came back from the Korean War and saw some atrocities every time you walk into the room. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That man had the most vacant eyes I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen anybody that miserable at the same time trying to keep a smile on his face. That was just, it was, I mean, his eyes were miserable and sad and his mouth was smiling. It was like, it was like North and South Korea where his eyes were North Korea and his mouth was South Korea. His mouth had allies. His eyes had been held out of from the international community and they were be <laughs> and they were being oppressed because they were right there with the brain and the brain was going, we're married to her. I don't even want any internet up here in the North Korea. And if I have it, I'm just going to use it to try to hack movie companies that make bad comedies about us. And the bottom half of his face was like, look, at least I get to eat. I can have some pizza, some something like that. I can sing some songs and I can have the joy of talking to people that are not her. Because that's what his head was like. His head was like Korea, the top half where his sad and vacant eyes were, were North Korea and the bottom half of his face was South Korea. That's right. <laughs> I could never be married to somebody like that, you know. And it was really weird that it's like, as big as her family was, and they were all gorgeous women. Of course, my girlfriend at the time was more gorgeous. Now, granted, we're not seeing each other anymore. We haven't seen each other in years, but we're still friends. <laughs> 
And if she wises up, we can be friends with benefits. Yeah. Okay, that's not going to happen. But uh, <laughs> but that's the thing, man. You, she, your family comes over and it just turns it into this whole big routine. I hope whoever I wind up married to, if I get married, I hope I just find somebody who's just cool, man. Just like cool to be with. Some, You know what I mean? Cool to be with. Fun to be with, man. Someone who, you know, someone whose family doesn't mind if I squeeze her butt in front of them. I'm not going to be, okay, I'm not going to squeeze my girlfriend's butt in front of her family. I've seen dudes do that. You know, it's like, that's like a weird, that's like a weird, like, peeing on the tree type thing. It's like, this is mine, guys. And we're going, you, you, we're her family. It's not like we're battling with you for her attention. We, so we raised her and she left. We don't care what she's. I mean, as long as she's happy, we. I'm assuming you're getting it on with her. You married a jackass. Look at he, ha ha. Right? Because even as a married guy, um, I could be married to a woman for ten years. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give her ass a squeeze in front of her damn family. That's disgusting. I know what you're going. You're going, but you just did squeeze a girl's ass in front of her family. I said no. I was there with her family, and I snuck a squeeze. And one family member just happened to see me squeeze her delicious buttocks. I didn't walk out in front of him. Goes, listen, excuse me, girlfriend's family, honey, turn around. See this butt? Of course you've seen this butt. All of you ladies have this butt, but this one belongs to me. Now watch my hand. Squish, squish, squish. Yeah, that's right. I just wanted you guys to know that the second you leave, I'm going to do all sorts of things to this. Now, I'm not objectifying her. She's a wonderful human being, but I'm just talking about the buttocks area. I'm going to spend at least an hour doing things to this area before we actually engaged in the rest of the sex. And I just want you to know that. And in fact, for the rest of the evening, honey, you don't mind if I do this. Not not at all. See this? I'm cupping my favorite cheek of a butt, and I'm not going to take my hand off it until you guys leave. What do you think of that, jackasses? I would never do that. <laughs> you know, I'm very respectful. But I don't regret squeezing that girl's butt. I mean, she was my girlfriend. I a little, little, little pat on the butt, a little squeezy, squeezy, you know, especially since we, you know, actually went out to the supermarket, like I said, and got it on in the back of the car twice. So uh, <laughs> I was in my 20s. I could do that back then. Now at my age now, I'm not old yet, but it'd be like if I if I got it on with, the, with my woman it had been the back of a car now we'd get it on real good then i'd go girl Ooh, that was awesome now i promise you we're gonna get it on twice so i'm telling you right now approximately 38 minutes from now girl i'm gonna tear you up but i'm gonna need about 38 minutes to you know for everything to you know to calm down and get back to normal because if you think you're going to get another shot right now it's just not going to happen but 38 minutes from now you know 30 no it's not because of cialis i don't need no damn cialis i just need some time to recover from come on you need some you you don't act like you don't need time from recovering from that powerful good stuff i threw on you (laughs) just say that to make me feel better damn it so what I'm saying, folks, is listen, if you have a, a significant other and you find them ridiculously attractive and feeling them up is something you want to do, be smart about it. Make sure you're both in a completely separate room because that kitchen didn't have a door and it. it was just a cut off. It was a cut in kitchen. You know, there was no door to it. It was just a separate section. Go into a room with the door closed and then feel each other up. Why embarrass the family? Yeah, that's the lesson. Feel each other up 
in another room. Yeah. <laughs> because that's I like to give good advice to people because I could give advice about politics and stuff like that. But I'd rather give advice about how to feel up your significant other. I think that's more important. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> segment over. Hello. Let me, can I talk to you guys about a little something in this segment here? Uh, I was giving my friend a ride in the mighty Toyota Camry. And he has a he has more of a he has a, an Acura, uh, not a brand new Acura, but a used Acura. And so, you know, and my, my car's new and I do was an older Camry, but it's still the mighty Camry. And his Acura, his Acura is the not quite as mighty as the Camry Acura. And uh, he was giving me a hard time because I put the club on my car and we were just basically going into a store. We weren't going to be in there for any more than, you know, 15, 20 minutes. You put a club on your car. You put a club. You put a club on your car for me. You put a club on for man. Nobody gonna steal your car. I mean, nobody uses. Look at all these people, man. Nobody uses the club anymore, man. Nobody uses the club. You buy use the club. Something wrong with you for using the club. And I tried to explain to him. It's like I put the club on my car because if you really think about it, the person that actually steals a regular person's car usually it's some dopey ass kid or somebody who wants to joyride. Or somebody wants it for parts. And most of the cars that regular people drive, there are tons of them. There are tons of Camrys, tons of Ford uh, Explorers. There's tons of these cars. So basically what they're doing is they're trying to find an opportunity to get someone's car quickly. That's why you see people, the, the people that get their car stolen first are the jackasses who jump out of their car and go to the ATM with the car running and the key in it. And somebody just eases around and drives off in their car. That's dumb. You know? But if you really think about it, if there's two cars, one and they're both equal, there's two Camrys, one has a club on it and one does not. Which one do you think they're going to go for? They're going to go for the one without the club. Why? Because the extra few seconds it takes to chop off that uh, club and to get into the car is the same amount of time it takes for you to reach in your pocket, pull out a knife or a gun and get to slicing or shooting. It's not dumb to put the club on your car. The club is not to stop a professional thief. If you're worried about a professional thief, first of all, your car is 12 years old. There's no professional thief going to go, you know, I don't know about you guys. Forget about those Lamborghinis and all of that kind of stuff. I want a 12-year-old car with a baby seat in the back. I want that. That's the new hot thing for all the all the overseas billionaires. You know, they got tired of all their Bentleys and all of that crap. They want a 12-year-old Acura with the, with the three hubcaps and the baby seat in the back. And, the, the, and, if, and if you could find one that has the smell of last year's Crab Fest in the trunk, that would be even better. That'll add another $5,000 to the amount of money that the sheik will, will spend because he wants to. I want to sm- I want the car with the smell of crabs in the trunk they want that because that's more makes it more valuable also if you could have the seats inside the car not have the same upholstery that would be great and also make sure that the buttons on the radio make sure they stick and make sure that the am does not work at all and make sure the antenna only goes three quarters of the way up make sure that that's the case and also make sure that it leaks oil not enough that you want to get rid of the car but enough that you have to put another cord in the in the engine every three weeks make sure it has all of those fantastic features and then they will that's what we want no a professional thief wants cars that are worth a lot of bread the people we're trying to stop are the people who the little dumbass kids want to steal a car or some chump who wants to steal a car on the spur of the moment or he's looking for a car to get away from some that's what the club's for 
All the club is doing is making the person go to the next. That's what they shouldn't even call it a club. They should go, hey, 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 not me. Take that over there. That would be a better name for the club because that's essentially what the club is saying. Hey, hey, not me. Get that car over there. That's what it is. It's like when two people are running away from a lion like that old joke. I don't have to be faster than the lion. I just got to be faster than you. In fact, I don't even have to be faster than you. I just got to find a way to make you trip. If it's me and Usain Bolt and the lion is coming, I already know Usain Bolt can run faster than I can. And I'm going to get eaten by the lion. But if I see the lion first and I have a baseball bat and Usain Bolt doesn't see the lion or the baseball bat, you may be the fastest person alive. But you'll also be the fastest person going through that lion's intestinal tract because my ass will be gone while he bites Usain Bolt. You'll be Usain Bits. God, that joke sucked, but I uh, who cares? Sometimes I ad lib something that's stupid. I've been doing that for almost two years now. Shat it up. <laughs> but that's the thing, man. He like he was giving me a hard time because I had a club on my car, and I'm going, dude. I mean, like I said, the club, like the locks on the front of your house. Most of us have put. Let's be honest. When you bought the house, you probably changed the lock yourself. You didn't get a locksmith. Why? Because you called for the locksmith and you found out how much the locksmith called. You said, "Hey, Mister Locksmith or Miss Locksmith, would you mind coming over to my house and putting some locks on my door? How much is it?" And then they said the price. And then you said, "Hi, someone's on the other line," and you hung up on them because you're going, "That's more than a damn lock. The lock only costs sixty-three dollars, and you're gonna charge." me 400 i think not so you put the lock on the door yourself so do you really think a professional thief is going to have any trouble breaking through a lock you put on you knew that lock is not to keep a professional thief out of a professional thief goes i know they have valuable paintings in that house i'm getting in there guess what's going to happen they're getting in there you know what that that stupid sign that says this house has an alarm on it and those locks on your doors for for the people who aren't that good at it. All locks and clubs are just for criminals that aren't that good at it. That's right. It's like when you go to karate class on the weekends or something like that. You're not good enough to become a UFC fighter. Get the hell out of here. You couldn't even beat the round girls there because they've picked up a couple tips by seeing these people in person. You would actually go up to a UFC fighter and a UFC fighter, even if you studied on Fridays and Saturdays when you have the time or when your wife lets you out of the house, punk. Know what would happen? You'd get your butt kicked by the UFC fighter. In fact, I probably would kick your ass, but you're a listening to my podcast so there's no chance of that happening i'd be too busy sucking up to you <laughs> i should not have said that so you can hear a different story a how that stop it but let's keep it real man if you look safe for the sake of argument you go to uh, you, you you're a regular person you only you only can go to the karate class one day a week you can only go on saturday mornings because you got to go to your kids recital later on you saturday mornings and you're good you learn how you pit the bags good you duck the punches good you spar really good everything's great and the average person who has taken no karate classes you could probably defeat them you might even scare them away by getting into your first stance they'll go oh crap i don't know karate that guy knows karate you may just be a yellow belt but you can beat that guy because you know a little bit of something there's muscle memory you know how to throw a punch and throw a block and all of that kind of stuff 
But you can't beat a person who's got a black belt. You can't beat somebody who's a UFC fighter. You can't beat somebody who's an Invicta FC. You can't beat anybody. Why? Because they're a professional. Ronda Rousey would whoop your ass. Yeah, that's right. But it's enough to scare away the person who's not that good. That's the trick. That's what the club is like. The club is like taking karate classes on a Saturday. Good enough to scare away most people when you get into your stance. But if a real professional person came up, you wouldn't stand a chance. Yep. (laughs) And he won't put a club on his car. You know, and let's be honest. Odds are nothing's going to happen to him. I mean, if you really think about it, I put a club on my car uh, every time I get out of it. But as it turns out, that time I got carjacked, I was going to get out of the car. And had I gotten out of the car and put my club on the car and gone into the store with my uncle and said, you know, because I was thinking about buying a soda that day. He it was it was really snowy outside. and He goes in to buy some stuff and I was going to drive around. I was going to wait outside of the store, drive around and take him home. And I was thinking about, you know, I should go in there and get a little something. Mom. Give me some give me a bag of Doritos or in some soda or whatever. And. If I had taken, if my first instinct had happened, if I had gotten out of the car and actually walked into the store with my uncle and made that purchase, that jackass that carjacked me would have walked right past. And what would have happened? He would have waited till he saw somebody else sitting in their car and not paying attention. And he would have carjacked them and not me. I would have never known the feeling of being carjacked. I would not know what it feels like to have a cold gun pressed to the side of my head. You know? the club it was a it was was a crime of opportunity a professional thief would have never gone i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get this guy in this really old car and i'm gonna take this car and make no money off of it and risk attempted murder or murder charges for shooting this guy who didn't do anything to me and no but the jackass who did but this jackass did it you know, like I said, man, it's not a, the professional is not worried about you, your your punk ass car. And the club is not for to stop a professional. The locks on the doors are not to stop a professional. You got to think about that. <laughs> when you move up to the next level, man, some of the things that we worry about are uh, kind of dopey. I remember I moved into a neighborhood in Los Angeles. It was a really, really bad neighborhood. And um, it actually was in Hollywood, to be honest with you. And we, we I lived my apartment was basically where they they actually ripped down my apartment complex to put where they have the Oscars now. And so I lived right there. So across the street, there was a sign across between one of the blocks across the street that literally said, we are videotaping everything here. Don't sell drugs here or something along those lines. Now, do you really think a sign and video was going to stop some? That's not for the high level drug dealers. The drug dealers that are actually out of the country, the drug dealers that are living in mansions, the drug dealers that are five or six hundred levels up in the street drug dealer. They don't care about that sign. It's not their problem. They ain't worried about that. That sign's not stopping. In fact, the street level drug dealers I saw, I drove by or I drove by. And before I had a car, I walked by and I saw drug dealers doing drug transactions under the sign, pointing at the sign and laughing. <laughs> you know? You know, I mean, they literally, I've literally walked by and I heard a guy going, look at that shit up there. <laughs> hey, video, and he grabbed his balls, videotaped this mother jumper. He didn't say jumper. <laughs> so that sign was a waste of time. It didn't mean anything. But later on, when they, when the, when the, when the, when they realized surprisingly that the sign wasn't going to deter drug dealers, they started to have police officers patrol. 
Now, the police officers patrolling and being serious about patrolling, that stopped the drug dealer, right? So, like I said, the low-level stuff is not to stop the professional person. It will stop a new guy. Oh, God. Oh, drug dealer. Oh, I better not do it. A new guy who's just starting to be a drug dealer, who hasn't been burned into the practice yet, who hasn't decided to make that his career yet. He'll look, he'll go, I'm going to sell this weed. Then you'll see the sign and walk away. Oh, God, uh, it'll stop him. <laughs> it takes a lot more to deter people when they really want to do something. You've seen that in your relationships. You've seen somebody you thought you thought you thought was incredibly attractive. You oh she's ooh or he's ooh. oh he's woo he hoo 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 and you saw the signs. You saw that the person was a d bag. You knew that. Sometimes you'll actually try to get rid of people by being a d bag. But the person that wants you bad, mm-mm, they coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Somebody like me who's immediately looking for those signs are going to go, oh, I don't like the way she stabbed that waiter in the throat. I think that's not the girl for me. <laughs> but those bad behaviors, they're not necessarily for somebody like me. I won't go near you if you're a horrible person. But some people will see your boobs and go, I really don't care. I mean, I didn't like that waiter anyway. In fact, I like I was kind of turned on by the way she stabbed him. I was really sexy. Like, I like that. You know, so that's the thing I was I was trying to get across to my friend. I didn't say it in this in his uh actually I did say it in a, in a I actually said it in a more long winded way, but I'm saying it to you, if you can believe that. But like I said, the club is you know it's it's a deterrent for the people that I'm worried the most about. You know, the people I'm worried the most about are the people that want to steal a car on a whim, and that's what the club is a, deter- a deterrent to. You know. It's not to the professional thief I'm worried about. And it's easy to take on and off. And as it turns out, his car has been stolen. Surprisingly enough, like I said, he never put a club on his car. Puts a club on his car now. You know. You know, I know people that don't lock. Their, uh, I know people that didn't even lock their doors. I don't even understand the concept of not locking your door. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I know. I know people that I know a guy that. I'm sitting there going, it's like, why don't you just run up the steps? I don't feel like going back up the steps. Anybody going to walk in there? And they're right. Most of the people are, most people aren't going to have the balls to walk up to a door, twist the door, and walk into somebody's house. Most people are not. But it's happened before. I know people that have walked into their house and seen somebody diving out the back window. For, you know? Lock wasn't touched. They forgot to lock the door. Why do you always check the door so many times before you leave? Um, remember when you came home that time and you, all your stuff was in the floor and some of your stuff was in bags on the floor and the guy jumped out your, out your window with your clock radio under his arm? Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember the fact that you you didn't want to go back home and check the locks on your door? Yeah. You, do you think you locked your door when you left? I don't think so. And he walked in. Do you think he was walking through this neighborhood deciding that he was going to go on a big crime spree or did he just walk up and twist the knob? Because some of these people, some of the criminals, the low-level criminals, will walk on, will walk up to your door, knock on the door, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And if nobody answers, they'll walk around the back, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And if, and if somebody answers at the front or the back, they'll go, oh, I'm sorry, it was the wrong place, and then they'll run away. But if nobody answers, next thing you know, crowbar goes to the window, Next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire because he stole some shit from your house. Okay, that is not exactly the words of the song, but you get the point. (laughs) 
So like I said, man, it's always good to take the little precautions because like I said, the little precautions will stop most stuff. And that's and most and the most is what you're worried about. You're not necessarily worried about the big things on the end or the big criminals or anything like that. You're not worried about that. You're worried about the chumps that are doing that are on the low level. And those are the ones that actually will actually touch your life. No master criminal is going to break into the average person's house. You don't have anything that person wants. You know, a major car thief is not going to go after your Toyota Corolla. It's calm down. Okay. It's not a big Toyota Corolla crime spree. It's never been. I don't think that car has ever been on the most stolen list. Because if you went to a chop shop with a Toyota Corolla, they'd go, dude, really? Is this is, is what do you got a quota of cars that you have to steal? You have to steal 15 cars a week. You you had 14 cars. You looked at the clock and you just decided to steal this at the last minute. Okay. That's why all the other criminals are laughing. We were actually in here cutting cars up. Real cars, jackass. Not that there's anything wrong with a Toyota Corolla. I mean, I would I would probably have some respect for you if you at least had the mighty Toyota Camry. But if you bring a Camry in here, we couldn't we could we don't have the heart to cut a Camry up because of the genius of that car and the people who drive it. But to come in here in a Toyota Corolla, you should be ashamed of yourself. We should just slap you in the mouth for wasting our time. I'm not even going to turn on my torch to chop that car up. If anything, we should chop you up for wasting our time. We would have had more respect for you if you came in here with a bike, you jackass. Now get out. <laughs> so this is for those of you that ridicule people like me that put their clubs on their mighty Toyota Camrys. I say shut it up. I don't care what kind of car you drive. Don't you want to save your car? Don't you want to stop your car from being stolen? Well, dagnabbit, you need to put that device on your steering wheel and save your car. I mean, think about it. Who knows more about saving valuable vehicles than someone like me, an owner of the mighty Toyota Camry? Who has the most intelligent car owners? Some of these other chump cars that cost a lot of money for no reason or someone sensible who drives the mighty Toyota Camry. That's right. So put the club on the car, damn it. It'll save you. It'll save you a lot of money. Your insurance premiums won't go up and you'll also have the joy of walking up to your car and seeing that big, bright, yellow piece of metal. <laughs> That never has matched any car ever. Why don't they put some colors on those things that actually match the interior of a regular car? You always got these clown colors on there. Whatever. I know that the color is there to make the club visible from far distances. So a person who was going to steal a car will see it and go, I'm not even walking over there because that person is very, very sensible. And even though that car is not a mighty Toyota Camry. At least that person has enough sense to put that club on and stop me, petty thief, from stealing their car. I'm going to walk around this parking lot and put my mask on and steal the car of someone too dumb to put a club on. Yeah, I'm sure that's what the criminals are saying. <laughs> At least in my fantasy. <laughs> Segment over. Let me ask you this, because I'm working out because I want to get back in shape. And every time I see the TV commercials, all I ever see is people talking about, you know, they show you the after picture. They show you the after picture. This is what it was before. And this is what he looks like after. And what they don't tell you about is the eight months of grueling working out and eating right that got the person from one side to the other. You know, and that's that's just not cool, man. 
you know, don't show me an empty lot and then show me a building. Show me the tell me about the two years of work of actually building the building and the four years of planning. Tell me about that part about because at the very least, I will know what's going into it. You know, don't come up with these stupid pills and these drinks that make it. Come on, man. You and I both know that crap doesn't work. So stop it. You know what I mean? If you really want to get people motivated and make them want to work out more, it's not the end product. Yes, they want to have six-pack abs. Yes, they want to lose all the weight. Yes, they want to look like they did when they were younger. If they're young, yes, they want to look like the people that are in shape. Yes, they want to look like an athlete. I get it. Everybody knows what that's like. But if you really think about it, if you want to motivate people and get them to work out, what you need to do is find a way to make working out stop hurting. That's the trick. Because that's what everybody complains about. Nobody complains about the time. Nobody goes, you know what? The intense pain doesn't bother me. The 45 minutes, that's what really bothered me. Nobody says that. Right? Everybody, because if you really think about it, if you do something that you enjoy doing, you don't even realize that the time went by. If you actually worked out and it didn't hurt, you would probably work out longer. Is there any way we can do that? Now, I'm not talking about like when you have a football player and you put the football player back out on the field after he's injured. I'm shifting in my chair if you're wondering what that sound is. You put a football player out uh, uh, after he's been hurt, you give him a shot in the leg or we give him a shot and get it back out there. And then the guy's 40 years old and he can't walk without having his leg attached to the lawnmower. Come on, man. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, come on, but people, is there any way where you could at least change the sensation that we feel? Make it feel warmer when the muscle is starting to be overworked. You know, make it tingle or something, but just get rid of the pain. You know, I don't care about it for me per se, because that because that kind of pain doesn't really bother me. Because recently I started bench pressing and being a jackass, I added a little bit too much weight on the end of the, on the end. Just to, yeah, you know what? I did so good with this weight. I'm going to add a little more on there because I'm the man. <laughs> and I went home and I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I was going, you know, I don't know why someone came in here and took two table saws and attached them to the inside of to the to the to the inside of my shoulder blades on the front uh, I mean not the shoulder blades, but inside of my shoulder right where the peck attached to the to the sides I was wondering why someone would come in here and run a chainsaw on both sides of my body like that because that's what it felt like I couldn't even sleep it hurt so bad I mean literally I was awake for 24 hours straight because it was like just intense pain whenever i would turn the steering wheel i would go apparently those people with the chainsaw seem to have broken into my car and hit me in the in the, in the, with, the with the chainsaws again no i overworked myself so i'm not saying i want to get rid of any kind of indication that you hurt yourself but can we just get rid of the pain it's got to be another way right and that's what we got to do. I mean, because I'll be honest with you. If you actually went on and did a TV commercial, hi, we're going to wear, remember how how it hurts to work out? Well, we got this new pill where it doesn't hurt to work out. You just feel a tingling sensation instead of pain. So you know it's time for you to stop. Really? That's right. Now you don't have to worry about that bull crap. You would sell a whole lot of that stuff. Quite frankly, if you sell anything that stops pain, I mean, because let's be honest, people break into into Rite Aids and all these other kind of drugstores to get things that take away the pain. So can we just use something that takes away the pain of stuff that's actually good for us? Isn't there a pill that we can we can take to take away the pain of listening to your mother-in-law drone on about about how you need to work harder for her daughter or or to make the daughter not have to listen to that crap from your family saying all sorts of stupid crap? Shouldn't there be a pill? You take the pill and instead of hearing them drone on about stupid crap, you actually hear your favorite hit song from whenever you were a teenager. Right. 
put a pill in and only you know and, well somebody else is running their mouth talking about stupid stuff and you're hearing the soundtrack to purple rain or you're hearing you know eminem's latest album or whatever the hell is was happening when you were a teenager or if you're in, you know if you're an older person martha and vandellas or whatever whatever was there that's all you hear that would be great you'd probably actually sell more of those pills than you sell the damn workout pills you know, your family's a bunch of jackasses. Take this pill and you won't have to hear that crap. Yeah, that's right. In fact, if you would give me, give people a pill where they couldn't hear political commercials. You, see, you, you take the pill and then the political commercial comes on and the only thing you see in your, only thing you can see or hear is American Gangster starring Denzel Washington. Yeah, that's right. I like that movie. Yeah. Or the outlaw Josie Wales or something. Give me something except a political commercial. And then when the pill wears off, you go back to normal. I would love that. Okay, actually, I would not love that because I make a living talking about that stuff, but it would be good for you people. <laughs> but that's the thing, man. I mean, if you really think about it, that's all we ever do in life is just try our best to try to get away from pain. That's all it is. You know, that's why people like getting it on so much. Part of it is the biological imperative of, uh, you know, procreating and making babies. But the other part of it is because it feels be you good. Let's be honest, it's more about it feeling real good than the babies thing, because why do we sell so many condoms and birth control pills? Because we don't want to have babies. We just want to feel real good. That's all we want to do. We'll escape pain and feel real good. Let's keep it real. That's why you're listening to me. Because listening to me, to you, of course, feels real good. And I don't blame you. Teehee. <laughs> so wouldn't you like a pill like that that just takes it all away? but has no bad side effects that you'd have to listen to for 20% of the commercial when you're watching the commercial because whenever you watch a commercial for some kind of pill, 20 to 25% of the commercial, the last 25% of the commercial is some guy talking at the speed that I'm talking right now telling you about the side effects, the death, anal leakage, balls explode, eyes roll out, set yourself on fire, kill yourself and jump out of window. But other than that, ask your doctor. <laughs> so all i'm saying is i want you to get on that pharmaceutical companies get on that damn it find a pill that makes your mother-in-laws and father-in-laws and all his other relatives from your wife's side of the family sound like your favorite song from when you were a teenager and come up with a pill that makes the political commercials look like american gangster but then starring denzel washington and then you make that pill and also make a pill that makes working out not hurting just tingle instead of hurting so you can work out and you'll have no excuse so you don't have to punk out of working out because that's why you stop working out you punks and you make a trillion dollars i'm just saying i'm trying to help you i'm trying to help you help other people because that's what i do segment over well folks this has been episode number 307 of the s anthony says podcast hope you dug it i'm pretty sure you did because even when i made these things that didn't make it into the first you know, into the show the first time I was even incredible back then, right? <laughs> Go along with me and say that I was incredible. You bastards. <laughs> Thank you guys for everything. Thank you for listening to me for four years. And we're going to be keep going. We're going to keep going, my friends. Uh, do me a favor. If you're not following me on social media, please do on Twitter. It's for me at S Anthony Thomas for the show. It's at S Anthony says I am also on Instagram at S. Anthony Thomas. And my friends, I have a YouTube pay, a YouTube account that I'm beginning to use. Just go and search 
S. Anthony says, because that is my YouTube account. Oh, yeah. And if you're on Facebook, just go to the search box and type in S. Anthony says and and, and uh, like the fan page. I would appreciate it. And if you love the show and you're listening to it on whatever podcatcher you're listening, please leave a five star review and tell everybody that you love the show. Much love to you. And for those of you that don't know what the email address and Lord knows, I know some of you do because you write weird shit. I mean, I mean, great emails. <laughs> Thanks for writing, you bastards. But for those that don't know the email address, I only have one. It's talk to S. Anthony at Gmail dot com. Talk to S. Anthony at Gmail dot com. And it's T-A-L-K-T-O. And then, of course, my name S. Anthony at Gmail dot com. Folks, much love to you. Thank you for checking out this episode. And I will talk to you next week with new stuff. Okay, you bastards. You damn right. Are you ready for the theme song after I say goodbye? Are you going to say goodbye to, with me this the way I've been saying it for years? Are you ready to do it on the count of three? Of course you are. Here we go. One, two, three. S. Anthony. All right, folks, that was the outtakes and extras. Thank you. Once again, thank you very much for showing interest in them. And thank you very much for asking. And I hope you enjoyed them as much as you enjoyed the other ones. Much love to you. Can't wait to talk to you guys again. See you next time. Take care.